Are y'all excited to be in church today? Come on, let me hear somebody. I'm excited. We were all supposed to be in this room back here, and we're not. Thank you, Lord. He is worthy of it all, right there. Um, Did I mess up the camera, Shelby? I'm sorry. Hey, we've been in a series called Unshakable. Y'all say Unshakable. Unshakable. We're talking about the kingdom of God and how we can find safety and security in the kingdom of God. Because here's what I know. I've said this every week. I'm going to keep saying it. You're probably going to get sick of it, is we live in a world that constantly shakes. You ever had something shake in your life before? Uh, have anyone ever, ever been in an actual earthquake before? couple? All right. Was it freaky? A little scary? Got the world shaking underneath you? Well, that's, that's one thing like in real life, but like internally we feel this way too, right? Like something happens and our world begins to shake a little bit. And what the problem is, is that a lot of us run to the wrong things when our world begins to shake. And we try to find stability in something else. But the problem is, if you're not running to the kingdom of God, you're not going to find stability. That's what the Bible teaches. And so, which we've been doing this, that's, that's why we've been doing this series Unshakable is because I want to show you what the kingdom of God is all about. Man, that spot right here. Woo! No, I'm going to just... Is it going to do anything? Man, y'all aren't ready for today. If I fall through this thing, we're going viral, baby. We're doing it. But I want to show you what's the kingdom of God all about. Because if I can show you what the kingdom of God is all about, maybe you'll run there instead of to your job or instead of to your your wife or your husband or your kids or your, your finances. Like, I want you to run to the right things. And the right thing to run through is the kingdom of God. When we run there, nothing can shake us. In fact, it says this in Hebrews chapter 12, verse 28. It says, therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken... God's kingdom can't be shaken. It doesn't know, it, it's never experienced a shaking moment. It's never had an earthquake, God's kingdom. Like his, it's stable. Our lives aren't stable, but his kingdom is stable. But because we've received this kingdom, we're going to be thankful and we're going to worship God because of that. And, and it is important to know, Paul, or we don't know if Paul wrote Hebrews. Some people think he wrote Hebrews, but the person who wrote this to the people uh, that the book of Hebrews is written to, it, it was that they were like getting persecuted for their faith, getting thrown in prison. In fact, like the chapter before this, the author of this letter said, you know, Timothy just got out of prison for, and I'm like, prison? He, he went to prison for believing in Jesus. Big deal. These people were not uh, receiving this in a vacuum. Their kids were getting hurt. They were getting killed. They were getting beaten because of their faith. And they're writing something like, hey, don't worry about all that. We have a kingdom that can't be shaken. They might try to shake you, but they can't shake you. We have a kingdom that can't be shaken. And so we've been looking at different traits of the kingdom of God. And so we've looked at a bunch of different things. We'll throw up this next slide here, and it'll show us. We've talked about how Jesus is still on his throne. By the way, if you want to take notes, I skipped that slide. Help me out real quick here. If you want to take notes, they're found right here. You can scan that and, uh, and take notes with us. But I'm going to give you a couple of seconds to do that. We've been talking about these uh, traits of the kingdom of God. The first one is this. Jesus is still on his throne. We talked about that like the first week, like, hey, Jesus is still on his throne and he's still good. And that means, hey, I don't have to be anxious because I like to sit on the throne of my life. You like to sit on the throne of your life. But when that happens, we get all worked up. Why? Because we're not very good at being in charge. I don't care how good of a boss you are at work. Being completely in charge of your life, at some point, you're going to start to shake. All right, you can go to that other slide now. So that's the first trait we talked about is that he's on his throne. Because he's on his throne, I don't have to be anxious. The second thing we talked about, Pastor Stephanie talked about this is that God's kingdom is always advancing even when you can't see it or feel it 
How many bread bakers are in the house? Come on, anybody like to bake some bread? Come on. I see you, Christiana. I see, she bought me a book. I can't bake bread now because I'm not eating that crap. It's poison. All that stuff's poison. I'm joking. I want it so bad. Our kids, this is not has to do with the message. My son's birthday is Valentine's Day. He wants to go to Cane's, new Cane's place right here. And I just go thinking, I'm going to get some grilled tenders and just sit there. They don't even have that there. And Stephanie's eating the bread, and she has this look on her face. I'm like, is it that bad? She said, this is the best piece of bread I've ever eaten in my life. And I'm like, cool. Hope it's great, you know. But when you bake bread, a lot of times you'll put, like, yeast in there or a sourdough starter. Why do you do that? Because you want it to grow all throughout the bread, all right? So you can't see that really happen. I mean, you can see the effects of it. God's kingdom is like that. It's like yeast and bread. It'll just spread. Even when you can't see it or may not be able to feel it, his kingdom's advancing. So that's a trait that we talked about. The third trait or that we've talked about is God's in control. So if I'm not in control, how many control freaks are in the house? Come on, be proud. This is for you. God is in control, all right? God's in control. I like to control everything. We're sitting up in this room. I'm like, guys, that, those curtains look bad. Come on, let's just, I'm, I'm controlling things in here. Why? Because I care. I feel like it all depends on me sometimes, but that's not true. God's in control. And if he's in control, I can have confidence. Because, man, God's kingdom doesn't shake. If he's in control, I can trust God that he's going to do it. And then we've also talked last week, we talked about how God gives us righteousness. He gives us peace. And he gives us joy in the Holy Spirit. That's how we, we receive those things. When we enter in God's kingdom, that's what's produced in us as we receive his righteousness. Not I look right in God's eyes. I don't know. God gives us his righteousness. We can't look right in God's eyes. But through Jesus, God gives us his righteousness. And we can experience that. God sees us as being made right with him. We also have peace. How many of y'all know that the world needs peace right now? Come on. Y'all know that the world needs peace right now. And we haven't even, the election cycle hadn't even heated up yet. Come on now. We're going to need some peace here in the next few months. And joy. Let me, I asked this question last week. I'm going to ask it again. What would happen if a lost person experienced a joyful Christian? They might die. You know, because there's not many of us out there, right? Like there's not many Christians that are joyful. A lot of people view Christians as the mean people, you know, like the people that are going to make sure you're keeping all the rules. Well, guess what? God's kingdom produces righteousness. It produces peace. And it will produce a joy in you where you're actually enjoyable to be around. That's why I love it when we laugh here. I, sometimes you're laughing at me. I'm okay with that. But I want you to laugh. Why? Because church is to be enjoyed, not endured. Have fun here. And some of you, last week, your prescription was this. Go laugh. Have fun. Do something enjoyable. Why? Because, man, when we can have some joy and experience that, our lives can begin to change. And so, but here's the deal. All of this stuff is great, but here's the problem that a lot of us have. A problem is this, and this is what we're going to talk about today. We have a barrier that keeps us from experience all these traits of the kingdom of God. So go to this next slide for me. And it's unforgiveness. The kingdom of God wants to work in your life. But a lot of people in this room have something called unforgiveness in your heart. You have unforgiveness in your life. And it's preventing the power of the kingdom of God from getting into your soul. I don't know if I could talk to anyone in here that's like, no, I, I would like more anxiety, please. Actually, I would love my world to shake even more. No, you want stability in your life. That's why you're trying to find it in so many places. You want joy in your life. You want peace in your life. Everybody does. 
The reason you might not be experiencing these things is because you have something called unforgiveness. There's something in your life that's rotting you from the inside out. And so today we're going to talk about unforgiveness because when we begin to deal with this issue of unforgiveness in our lives, it begins to fracture the outside of this. You can go to the next slide and it allows the, God's kingdom to come through. So the, the ultimate goal is to get rid of all of it. But even if we get some fractures in this, we're going to be able to experience the kingdom of God. Some of you aren't experiencing it. It's because of this. I'm telling you right now, I've been here. You're not experiencing the power of God. Why? Because the devil has a hold on you, and he's played a nasty trick on you that we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about how nasty it is. The devil's mean, man, and he's tricked a lot of us into thinking, I don't need to forgive them. What they did to me? And so on that point, I want to just validate a couple things. Some people in here, some of you, you've had some really terrible things happen to you that were wrong, that were not fair. You did not need that to happen to you. You don't deserve that that happened to you. When you were a kid and you were vulnerable, you may have been abused physically, sexually, emotionally, verbally. None of those things are okay. So when we're talking today, I don't want you to hear me say like, just get over it. That's not the, that's not the vibe of today. I want to recognize, I man, some of you have gone through some, some, some stuff. Some of you, you've had someone walk out on you, a marriage, uh, a parent, and it really hurt. And that's the nastiness that the devil likes to play into. Because he'll make you buy into this lie that like, because of how bad it was, the, the thing that hurt me, it was, I don't need to forgive. That person doesn't deserve forgiveness. And so you think that you're actually holding on to something and you're like keeping something from them like it's hurting them, but really, it's hurting you. And so I recognize there's some people in here that are on that spectrum. You've been hurt pretty bad. There's some people in here that haven't experienced that in such a bad way. Wherever you are on that spectrum, I think that unforgiveness can come your way. I, I think that we all can experience something that's going to make us harbor unforgiveness. And a lot of times, it doesn't start with some big, great thing. It could for you, but most of the time, it's something small, a little offense. Someone that has zero self-awareness has said something to you, and it hurts your feelings. I had a guy tell me one time uh, that I needed to, uh, this, you know, this was a person that I loved and trusted. They looked at me and said, yeah, you need to go run out there and do that because, you know, you're getting kind of big and you need to lose some weight. He had no said That was mean, and it's true. I do need to lose weight. I've lost almost 50 pounds. Let's go. And so, hey, come on now. Thank you, Lord. He's worthy of it all. Because there's times I want to kill my children because I'm cranky. I haven't eaten, <laughs> I haven't eaten a carb in weeks, you know. But, uh, but, I, but, what? There was some truth to what he said, right? But he hurt. It was offensive. I was like, what? And it bothered me. And it was someone I loved and respected. They said this to me, and all of a sudden I'm like, forget that guy. Like he's mean. I'm not gonna. I don't want to have anything to do with him anymore. It made me mad. And that wasn't a big deal, right? Just suck it up and get tough is what you could tell yourself. But man, the enemy, he used that in a big way. The enemy is using unforgiveness in your home right now. And he's trying to divide your marriage. He's trying to divide you and your kids against each other. Come on. How many of y'all know when you have siblings, the enemy is at work in a big way? When you have children, not siblings, but when you have kids and they have siblings, if you have one kid in here, just stick with it. All right, just stay with the one. <laughs> 
So I bring my children, or I bring at least our oldest, Reuben, every Sunday to come help set up. Help set up is a loose, very generous term, okay? But they do, they do a lot. They actually set up a lot of the kids' ministry for your kids, by the way. Um, but today, Ellie, our middle daughter, was like, can I come? She's the one, I owe her five bucks after this, because uh, that's my deal. If I'd mentioned their name like this in a story, I gotta give them five dollars. So uh, she, she's the one that when she is tired, she is the spawn of you know what. Uh, and she's tired, but I was like, you know what? She's gonna remember coming, setting up church with her dad when she's older. Come on, that's a great memory. So in the car, here's my speech. If I hear y'all bicker, I'm gonna lose my mind. Please, I don't have time to deal with it today. There's a lot of people, I mean, the, the Satan was trying to keep everybody out of this church this week, by the way, but people getting hurt and there's all kinds of stuff going on. So I'm the first one in the building this morning, which typically doesn't happen. There's typically other people here before me, but I get here first. I got the McDonald's ready for the setup team. I'll unlock the door. We haven't been here for 90 seconds. Bickering has started. I lost my mind. I'm just going to tell you right now, I lost my mind. Why? Because there's a fence that's always happening between our kids. You know, that always happens. If you have children, you know. But the enemy wants to use that, and he wants to use that to divide your kids against each other. He wants to use a fence to divide you against your spouse. He wants to use a fence to keep you from your parents. He wants, he wants to use a fence in any way he can to divide. But you need to know this. Being offended over petty things is not a part of God's design or plan for people in his kingdom. We need to live unoffendable lives. Lives where we just choose, I'm not going to get offended. When the light turns green and I'm looking at my phone and someone honks a horn at me, I'm not going to get offended. I'm not going to get offended when they cut me off. If they say that thing to me on Instagram, I'm I'm not going to get offended. I'm going to choose to live an unoffendable life because being offended is not a part of God's Kingdom. You know, the, the word for offense in the Bible is a word called scandalon. Y'all say scandalon. Come on, y'all say scandalon. And it means a trap. Now, Kyle, I need your help, sir. This right here, I don't have anything. Go find something for me, baby. Is a tiny bear trap, okay? It's not open. I need your help opening this. I'm no good for that. Okay, so... Um, this is a trap. Now, I've used this illustration before. If you're new here, this is real. Like, it's a, you catch a coyote with this in your yard. So I'm going to give it back to whoever I got it from today. But, uh, all right. <laughs> Great. Okay? But I need you on. You're volunteering to do this, right? Thank you. All right. Great. Great. <laughs> so here's what you're going to do. You're going to peel these two back. I'm going to open and set the trap. Okay. Do not let go of these two things once you start, okay? okay. All right, here you go. Start peeling that back. Can you tell me when to let go? Yep, I got you. All right, there you go. All right, you're good. Now, let go. Boom! I'm joking. All right. Now, it's hard, isn't it? You made it look easy. All right, so you're good. Thank you. Let me ask you, though, on your way back down, would you want to touch this right now? You, you felt this is going to hurt. Whoever gets, whoever gets it trapped right here, it's going to hurt. Now, offense is a trap. Here's the catch. Offense is a trap that traps you. So you, you think that when you get offended, it might be justified. But it's a trap. 
It's like sticking your hand, boom, right there. That made you a little nervous right there. Somebody cried out right there. It makes you nervous. Why? Because you know if my hand catches this trap, you're going to hear a preacher say a bad word. I'm going to lose my hand. Or I'm going to at least hurt it. I don't know if I'd lose it, but I would hurt it. You know, but the thing is, is that a lot of us, we're taking the bait. We have these opportunities to be, what is this? Let's make you feel better like this. If I just, no, okay. Look at that. All right. <laughs> y'all, y'all laugh. This is how we're living our lives. We have unforgiveness in our hearts and we think that we're hurting someone else. But in reality, we're the ones that are trapped. That's how sneaky the devil is. Even if it's a big thing that happened to you, you're still caught in a trap. The people of God's kingdom don't hold on to offense. We don't fall for the trap. We see like, hey, I know if I go there, the kingdom of God's not flowing into me. If I go there, I can't get to the kingdom of God because I'm trapped. But man, it's hard. It's hard to not get offended. When that person says something to you, when that person leaves you, when that person abused you, when your spouse just said that thing that just pressed your button the wrong way. And it's so easy, we give in. And it does that to you, your life. A lot of you are living a life like this. And you're not functioning the way that you need to function. Why? Because you've taken the bait. You're trapped. God's not able to use you. God's not able to work in you. Why? You're trapped. You've taken the, the trap of offense. And the thing is, is that it's, in a, it's a trap that traps only you. It's not doing anything to the other person. Thank you. I'm going to break my foot on that. Ironically, a closed trap's going to hurt me. In fact, we're going to look at Colossians today. Colossians chapter 1. Um, and we're going to look at some passages he writes this. It says, for he, for Jesus, has rescued us. Y'all say rescued. rescued. He's rescued us from the dominion of darkness. You know, there's a lot of people today that treat Jesus like a gumbo ingredient. Anybody like some gumbo? Come on. Let's go. Listen, it's good now. You throw a bunch of stuff in that pot, just let it simmer. Some of you, you're treating Jesus like an ingredient in gumbo. Some of you are treating Jesus like an ingredient in the Chipotle line. I'll take a little bit of this. I'll take a little bit of that. I'll take a little bit of Jesus, you know, but give me the guac. You know, I'll take a little bit of the cheese. And you're treating, you're just adding Jesus into your life. Well, let me, Jesus doesn't want to be a part of a life like that. Jesus wants to be everything in your life. But we treat Jesus this way of like, hey, it's just something I'll mix in along the way with some other faith and spirituality and cool things I've heard on Instagram or TikTok. But Jesus doesn't join that. When you have an encounter with Jesus, like we talked about with being born again, you remember us talking about that a couple weeks ago or last week? I don't remember what it was, but we talked about it. Like there's a transformation that happens in your life. You change. You go from being dead in the kingdom of darkness, in the dominion of darkness, and you go from being there, God rescues you and he brings you into the kingdom of the son he loves. So he brings you into the kingdom of Jesus. 
There's a transformation that happens. Uh, This verse is not teaching us. This is so important. If you're going to understand unforgiveness in your life, you have to understand this. This verse does not teach us that when you accept Jesus, there's now a a mentality that you ascend to and have a greater understanding of life. That's not what this, this verse is teaching. A lot of people will teach that. That's not what this verse is teaching. Or you just accept Jesus and now uh, you've signed up for an institution called Christianity. That's what a lot of people treat getting saved like, being born again like. It's just, you know what? Now I'm just subscribed to the faith of Christianity. Now I just, I'm not going to go to hell when I die. God's not interested in that. That's not what this is teaching. No, the Bible is saying you've been rescued, you needed to be rescued. You got yourself in a predicament that was so bad, you couldn't rescue yourself. You needed to be rescued, and the only person that could rescue you was Jesus. It's really important to understand that when we talk about forgiveness. You need to understand that you needed to be forgiven. You needed to be rescued. You needed God to intervene in your life. And when we have that humble mentality of going, I know what God did for me, it becomes a lot easier to forgive someone else. But if you know that you are on the outside of God's kingdom, listen, this is the mentality we have to have. Some of you, you understand, like I was on the outside of God's kingdom and even on my best day, I was hurting people. I was rebelling against God. I was doing things that are evil. The Bible called me, called me an enemy of God, actually. On my best day, that's how I am. On, on my best day, I was offensive to God. If you can recognize that, forgiveness will be a little easier for you. And I just want to tell everybody in here, we're all on, even, on the even playing field here. We all were like that before Jesus. We needed him. He had to rescue us. We could not get into his kingdom on our own. And then it goes on to say this. It says, in whom, Jesus, we have redemption. Y'all say redemption. redemption. And forgiveness of sins. So when Jesus rescued us, he not only just put us in a better place, but he actually redeemed you. What's it mean to be redeemed? It means that he bought you back. Like you had a price, he paid the price and he redeemed you. He bought you with the blood on the cross, by the way. That's why we take communion is to remember that he redeemed you. He paid the debt for you. You owed a debt. He knew the debt. He paid the debt. He redeemed you. He paid the price. He hung on the cross got nails driven into his hands and his feet. He got whipped 39 times. He died. His blood poured out. That was what he paid. That's how he paid for your freedom. That's how he paid your debt. That's how he redeemed you was through his own blood. That's what Jesus did. You couldn't do that on your own. Jesus had to do that. You couldn't do it on your own. You've been bought back. You've been redeemed. God has rescued you. I love this. The kingdom of God, listen, The best part about it is it's a free gift. The kingdom of God is a free gift, but it's not cheap. The the kingdom of God is a free gift to you, but it's not cheap. It cost Jesus his life. It, It was free, but it's not cheap. 
So what is the open door to the kingdom? It's right here. Go back to that verse. It says, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. You know, there's a story that Jesus tells. I don't think this is on uh, the screen. There's a story that Jesus um, tells, and it's a parable of a king who is forgiving debts. And in this, a guy came up to him who owed him the equivalent of two billion with a B dollars. Now, Jesus is using extremes to teach us a lesson, okay? So this guy comes to the king. He owes $2 billion, and the guy can't pay. I mean, come on. Who can pay $2 billion back? Nobody. So he goes to the king, and he's begging the king, forgive this debt. Please forgive my debt. Forgive my debt. Forgive my debt. The king says, fine, I'll do it. I'll forgive your debt. So this same guy who just had $2 billion forgiven goes to another guy who owes him the equivalent of a couple hundred dollars. And this guy can't afford the couple hundred dollars. And he says, please, forgive my debt, forgive my debt. And the guy that had $2 billion like, forgiven refuses to forgive the guy that only owed a couple hundred dollars. And Jesus makes this statement. He, he says, that person that cho- chose not to forgive this small debt actually was thrown in prison and he was tormented. He's painting this picture for us, saying, hey, forgiveness is a big deal. When you choose to not forgive, you're choosing to put yourself in this prison that you can't escape from, that you, that you just are, are, are working and working and never getting anywhere, and, and you're in this prison, and it's, it torments you. That's the picture that Jesus is painting. And so we have to, like, forgiveness is very counterintuitive, Okay. And so what is this trying to say to us? Uh, we want the kingdom, right? So how does this work? I want to throw up this like, picture that we have um, up here. Keep going. So we have the kingdom. It wants to come down to us. Go to the next one. And listen, we want the kingdom to help us out. Right? Like, we want it to affect you personally. I want it to affect you personally. I want you to live your individual life differently because of the kingdom. Man, you want the kingdom in your home. How many of y'all want the kingdom of God in your home with your kids at all times? I do. We want it. We're desperate for it. We want the kingdom of God, right? Like, we want the kingdom of God in our friends and family, in our relationships. These are the most important people in our lives, our friends and our family. We want the kingdom of God to influence that. And my gosh, we're talking about this next week. We want the kingdom of God to influence where we work. The kingdom of God is not designed for Sunday mornings at 10 o'clock at 197 Imperial Boulevard in Hendersonville, Tennessee. No, it's designed for you to get out of here and go have the kingdom impact everywhere that you go, including your job, on Zoom calls, on work trips. The kingdom of God's got to influence this. Here's the problem. Unforgiveness blocks all of it. So if you have a desire for the kingdom of God to do this in your life, you got to deal with some unforgiveness. It's amazing. Unforgiveness, you don't think of it as being that way. But unforgiveness shows that we have a hard heart. God can't work with a hard heart. He needs to take our heart of stone, that's what the Bible teaches, and turn it into a heart of flesh. That comes from from forgiveness. That comes from releasing unforgiveness and forgiving other people. Now, it also says this in Colossians, in a couple chapters later, Colossians 3.13, it says, bear with each other. Anybody have people in their life that are hard to bear with? (laughs) I mean, they feel like a bear to me, you know, like bear with each other. And what's this say? Forgive one another. Paul's like, listen, you got to deal with people. You you, got to bear with each other. You got to forgive one another. 
And if any of you have a, has a grievance against someone, here's what you're supposed to do. Forgive as the Lord forgave you. As the Lord forgave you. Remember how we talked about how he rescued us. There was nothing we could do. He was the only one that could pay that debt. He's How Jesus forgave us is how we forgive others. But Clint, you don't understand what happened to me. I get it. I know what happened to you could have been serious. It broke your trust. It's something you're still dealing with. It broke something in you. It stole your innocence. I understand it's a big deal. But it's still a trap. We got to forgive as God's forgiven us. He set the example. So how are we going to forgive? We're going to forgive that God, how God forgave us. You know, um, I don't want to stand up here and act like I've got it all together. Uh, I don't. I've struggled with this unforgiveness thing in my life in a big way. I've had a hard time forgiving. Marriage will do this to you. It has shown me how resentful I can be. I'll get I'll give you this silent treatment better than anybody. You know, that's just I I can be petty. She's laughing because she knows it's true, you know? And I I I've had to work on this in my life with some people in my life that I've trusted, that I've had to forget, forgive, and and I've had to go through this work. And I understand it's not easy. You know, there's some people in here uh, that you know. You're, you're, you're not into the whole Sunday school answer thing. Like Jesus, the Bible. Like it, it, When someone offends you, you're like, I want to choke you. You know, like that's how you feel. And some of you, you're, you're, you're more flight than fight. And you're, you're not saying, I want to choke you. You're sitting silently praying, I hope you choke. You know, that's how, that's how you are. But we all deal with it, right? Like we all deal with these people that are hard and we have to forgive these people. Are you kidding me? Like that's how it is. Either way, our natural response, we can all agree, it's not to forgive. How many of you have had someone say something offensive and your first response is, Lord, bless them. God, would you just bless them? Give them financial stability, Lord, right? Like, no. You're like, Lord, I hope they stub their toes and I go into the bathroom. You know, that's just, it's baked into us a little bit, right? Like, but, and there's a lot of funny, like, Christian meme things going around. I don't know who said these things originally, but they're true. One of them is this. Forgiveness is like drinking poison, but expecting the other person to get sick. That's what unforgiveness is like. How many of you here love having the stomach bug? Anybody? How many of y'all have had the stomach bug like in the last year and it's like, I wanted to die. You're bargaining with the Lord like, I will do anything to make this stop right now. You're having thoughts like, I should chew my food better, right? Like it's just, it's coming out of both ends. It is terrible. I, I don't get sick very much. Lord, don't make me hate saying this. I don't, I don't get sick very much. I haven't even had COVID. Isn't that crazy? I just, I just haven't, I don't know. I just, I'm healthy. I, you know, I'm just, my immune system is like a brick wall, baby. And I haven't, I don't get a stomach bug, but when I do, man, I want to die. You probably feel the same way. Having unforgiveness in your heart is like drinking something that you know is going to give you the stomach bug. No one would ever do that. I don't care how much you want to lose weight. That's not the way to do it, all right? I'll tell you right now, it's the worst way to lose 15 pounds is a stomach bug. But that's what we do. When you, when you choose to not forgive, it's like drinking something and you getting sick. Like, no one would ever do that, right? Like, that's just not what anyone would do. Here's another one. Forgiveness is releasing the other person only to discover that you were the one that was held captive. 
You know, like forgiveness is not about releasing the person that hurt you. Forgiveness is releasing yourself from the trap. And it sounds weird because the fact is, some of you, your dad's hurt you, and I just feel like this is for you today. It's time to forgive your dad for what he's done. It's time to forgive your dad for what he did, and it might not even be possible for you to reconcile with him. It might not even be possible because he might be gone or he might not need to be in your life, by the way. And that's okay to have healthy boundaries and to not have that person in your life right now. But you need to forgive your dad. And it's not going to do anything for him. You're waiting on an apology that you're never going to get. But you need to do it for you. Like, okay, I need to, I need to just let this go. And you need to do that today. So how does forgiveness impact our relationships? We all want better relationships in here. So how does forgiveness do it, all right? Now here's the first thing. We, just, we already talked about this a little bit. God's forgiveness for you unlocks the kingdom. So God did something for you. And he unlocked the kingdom for you. We can only come into God's kingdom because he forgave us. We had to be born again, and being part of being born again is receiving the forgiveness that God offers us, and we've been forgiven. That unlocks the kingdom of God in our lives. You know, a, a lot of us, we think like we need to just forgive ourselves. You can't forgive yourself. We don't have the if we could forgive ourselves, we wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus can forgive us, and He already did the work for that for you to be forgiven, and that's what unlocks the kingdom in the first place. But the second thing is this: is we all need help to genu genuinely forgive others. Now I know that there's some hurts that have happened in here that you feel like it's in, like Clint. There's no way I could possibly forgive this person. You just don't understand. And I might not have gone through what you've gone through, but I do understand this, that if you continue to hold on to that, it will not affect them. It's only killing you. And you just might need a little help. You might need the help of God to forgive this person or these people. You know, and I think it's, under, it's important for us to understand what forgiveness is, we'll get to that in a second, but what is, what, forgiveness is not some things as well. So we're going to put this up. Listen, forgiveness is not, put that first one up for me, approval of wrongdoing. I think we have this bad idea of forgiveness thinking that if I forgive this person, I'm approving what they did to me. That's not true. You can forgive and they can still have done something very, very wrong to you. All right, so forgiveness is not approval of wrongdoing. Forgiveness is not an invitation to abuse. So if you forgive somebody and this person is still somewhere around your life, it's okay to put up boundaries and go, hey, we're not going to be around you. I've forgiven you. It's not controlling me anymore, but I'm not going to put myself in a position where I'm going to keep getting hurt because you haven't dealt with your stuff yet. It's okay to do that. I want you to understand that. That's healthy. Do that. Forgiveness is not something the other person has earned or deserved. Okay? Forgiveness is not something that person doesn't deserve to be forgiven. They hurt you. They don't deserve it. And here's, a, here's another big one. Forgiveness is not dependent on reconciliation. You can forgive somebody and not have reconciled that relationship. Now, I think that's the ultimate goal, that, that if restoration is possible, that's okay. But restoration is a two-way street. 
Restoration is a two-way street. And so we might not be able to be reconciled with that person. Why? They might be dead. They may have passed. Or they might still have not changed. And so if they haven't changed, and they haven't shown that they have a different type of behavior, then absolutely not. We're not going to reconcile with that because that gives them an invitation to keep hurting us. We're not going to do that. That's not what forgiveness is. Here's what forgiveness is. Here's what forgiveness is. Forgiveness is the conscious choice to give up your right to make the other person pay because you trust God to make things right. I'm going to say that again. Listen. Forgiveness is the conscious choice to give up your right to make the other person pay because you trust God to make things right. I'm giving up my right to make someone pay for what they did. And I'm going to trust that God's going to make it right. I don't have to make it right. God's going to make it right. So here's what we're going to do. I don't want anyone to move. I want us to just chill for a second because I'll have two people I want to talk to today. The first group of people I want to talk to today are people in here, and maybe you've never received God's forgiveness for you. We call that salvation at church. You've heard the phrase, getting saved. That's what this means. I want to give you the opportunity to receive the forgiveness of God so that you can step into God's kingdom. That unlocks the kingdom in the first place. So I'm going to put a prayer up here, and I want you to look at this prayer, and I'm going to kind of work through it in a second. I'm going to read it, but I don't want you to, you don't have to necessarily pray this. You can make this in your own words. But if you want to receive God's forgiveness for your life and step into his kingdom, get saved today, you can say, Jesus, I receive your forgiveness. I repent of my sins, and I receive your kingdom. Thank you for loving me and setting me free. It's that simple. You do that with the right heart and you mean it. God is entering into your life right now and he's unlocking the door to his kingdom, inviting you in. That's what he's doing. But some people, this is your thing that you need to do today. Follow Jesus today. Give it to him. But then there's a whole other group of people that I want to talk to today. And, those, and that is those of you in here that have someone or some people that you need to forgive. You need to forgive them today. And that's something I can't do for you. That's a choice that you have to make. So I'm going to put this other prayer up. And I want you just to look at this. And it's in your notes. But I want you to pray this today. I'm just going to read it out loud. It says, Jesus... Because I love and trust you, I choose. Notice it doesn't say, I feel like. Choices lead, feelings follow. Okay? Don't miss that. If you're going to wait till you feel like it, you'll never do it. Choices lead, then feelings follow. Choose first, then you'll feel like it. Okay, you don't feel like it, then choose. That gets you in a lot of trouble in your life. Choices lead, feelings follow, okay? Jesus, because I love and trust you, I choose to forgive you. I don't feel like it, but I'm choosing to anyway. I choose to forgive, who is it? Don't say their name out loud. Think about it. I choose to forgive whoever. I release the pain, the offense, and the hurt, and I give it to you. I won't carry it anymore. Come on, some of y'all need to say that. I forgive you, and I'm not going to carry this anymore. 
You've been weighed down for decades, some of you. I'm not going to carry that anymore. Thank you for your freedom. What happened to me doesn't define me, and it will not determine my future. What happened to you does not define you. It may have, it may have affected you. It does not define you, and it doesn't determine where your life is going to go once you do this. Because God has a life that's so much better than anything you could ever ask or imagine. God, we love you. Thank you so much for your son. I thank you that you rescued us and we could experience forgiveness. God, I thank you that because of that, we have the power to forgive others. God, I thank you. I pray right now for those people that have need to pray that second prayer today that they would choose to forgive. Come on, as you're sitting there, if you are in here and you're like, Clint, this sounds great, but I'm going to have a hard time forgiving someone in my life. If that's you, come on, just raise your hand. I want to pray for you right now. Come on, if you have someone in your life that you need to forgive, I just want to pray for you. Come on, there you go. God, I pray right now for the people that have their hands up right now, Jesus. I pray that you would give them the power to forgive, God. Would you help them uh, even when they don't feel like it right now, God? I pray that you give them the power to choose to forgive. And God, I pray that they would experience the freedom that only you can bring. God, we thank you for your kingdom. And I pray that this is something we all can do so we can experience your kingdom today. It's in Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Come on, give God a hand in here.